Well, I think we can all remember a time when it was simple and easy for us to communicate with our customers and vice versa. It was either in person or via the telephone. Now, with the exponential growth of social media and other digital platforms, it's never been more overwhelming, and particularly that of Facebook. And to help us negotiate these tricky waters, I've invited the creator of the Facebook Business Bootcamp, Kylie Bartlett, to demystify the topic for us and show us the tools that we need to embrace it well. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 69. Big show today, two interviews in one, believe it or not. I know you've heard in our introduction, we're going to get spoiled by Carly Bartlett today with all of her Facebook wisdom and knowledge. But before we get into that, I've got the audio from my interview with Pharmacy News Editor Chris Brooker that we recorded at APP 2015. You may not have heard this one. If you haven't, you're in for a treat. Chris grills me and gets things out of me that I don't even share on this show just because he asked the question, which includes the biggest tip that I have for pharmacists when considering new technology. I know you're going to love it. I'm going to share this seven-minute interview with you right now, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to APP 2015. I'm talking to Rob Starr, a pharmacist and the founder of PharmActive. Welcome, Rob. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Now, your tagline, I'll just read this. Your tagline says, you create remarkable pharmacy experiences by leveraging smart technology. Explain. (laughs) Fantastic. Glad you asked. Look, um, it's a real opportunity. There's never been a better time to leverage technology in a pharmacy business. Too often we've looked at technology and thought it has to be dispensed, paused, but there's so many particular applications around cloud and so forth that really leverage the power of cloud and small business and you can really leverage a lot of that for your business to be able to create better experiences because every technology should be indistinguishable from the patient experience and really about getting closer to our patients. And with PharmActive, I mean, you're, you're getting quite a name with your podcasts and your other you know, innovative technology approaches to getting out there to pharmacy. How's, how's it going? Yeah, look, really good. Look, um, launched the uh, 12-month program, which is really the signature. Um, But ultimately, most conversations start with pharmacy owners where they just want to learn what opportunities are available. And I've developed a test called the Pharmacy Freedom Index, which measures their business in nine critical areas around their finance, operations, people, patients, innovation, partners, IT systems, mobility and automation. And once they've actually done that, they can really understand some great opportunities in their business. And your podcast, for instance, you know, you cover some interesting um, you know, different areas of new technology and, pharm- and its application to pharmacy. I mean, yeah. What are some examples of some of the um, articles you've run? Yeah, look, it can even go from current day things to even all the way through to 2050. I had uh, a business futurist on a few weeks ago, Morris Mizalowski. We spoke about the changing role of a pharmacist and what that might look like by 2050. And it's really about moving away from the transaction economy to the wisdom economy, which is where we personalise the advice for every patient. So 
from your own practice, how, how, what have you learnt from it that you've been able to implement? Well, in, term, in terms, it just really depends on the individual business challenges. Look, one of the examples is one I always focus on is particularly about becoming operationally efficient. You know, there can be a great study that I did three, four years ago in my father's pharmacy is to be able to make his financial documents and his systems a lot more efficient by changing the way you interact with his accountant, his bookkeeper, his financial documents, and really make some great cash flow savings in the process. You know, ultimately, it's got to be able to go back into the business. And, um, you know, unfortunately, in that case, it didn't quite work that way. But, so I suppose it is a case where, you, you know, you, you need to be aware of these new technologies or, you know, things that are out there to help, but just need to apply what can be used in your own pharmacy. Oh, look, absolutely. And, you know, the aim of it, obviously, is, is to become operationally efficient, leverage cash flow, and then so long as you're not laden with too much debt, that you're actually able to enable a greater patient experience in the process. Okay. Um, cloud technology. Yeah. What's the application to pharmacy? Or how is it useful? Yeah, look, I guess it can range from anything, from having your email to be able to interact with your team. If you run multiple sites, you can actually utilise non-urgent instant messaging. Cloud accounting is a clear one. Uh, you can change your whole relationship with your accountant by leveraging the power of the cloud, where they can provide advice to you on an almost an everyday basis. And you're really driving your business looking forward rather than looking backwards. And um, you know, I suppose part of the problem people have, and this is where I think your information comes in really useful, I mean, I think a lot of pharmacists are out there looking for information, yeah. but there's so many sources of it, it's, it's a bit hard to sort of search through the, uh, the wood for the trees. Yeah. I mean, what, what would you sort of, you know, say to people who are looking for information, where should they go and what should they be looking for? Well, I guess it always starts, and that's the way Google is, it's what, what are you looking for? And um, you can find a mountain of information, but it's really about trying to find information that allows you to understand how it's going to work in your business. So whenever I have a conversation with a pharmacy owner about the technology, I'll step back a little bit further to say, well, what are you trying to achieve? And the technology can help you fulfil that vision in a lot more accelerated time. So... For example, my podcast, we aim to deliver an educational and hopefully an entertaining um, 45 minutes every week to be able to show what's possible and really show that it's never been a better time to actually access that and implement it in your business. So if a pharmacist, uh, say, rings you up or emails you or, or gets in contact through social media or yeah. whichever platform they use, you know, what, what, how does that process work? They get in touch with you to seek information. What do you do then? Well, I always direct them to the Pharmacy Freedom Index because it's just a great process to really unpack your business in those nine critical areas. Once they've done that, they generally come to me and say, look, I didn't realise I performed so, so poorly in this area. Can we have a chat about it? And that's where we'll sit down for 90 minutes, dig deep into it, prioritise what they want to get done, really make sure it boosts their cash flow, gets them close to their patients and makes everything scalable. Right. And you've also collected some of the information in your uh, book that came out last year, didn't it? Yeah. Entitled uh, Transformation. Yeah. There we are. So, yeah. How's the book uh, going? Oh, look, really good. Look, I wrote the book because it's got my 16 years of experience working across community hospital and international practice settings. And what I've found is that there are a number of problems in implementing technology in the pharmacy. And there's a lot of pitfalls, a lot of problems often relating to not having enough education about the product, not really linking it to your processes and your business, and really using the wrong partners. And the partners can often, you know, be box sellers and, you know, you might actually just drop a box down, walk off, and it leaves the pharmacy owner in turmoil. So it's really about selecting the right ones to help plan, implement, train and maintain, but also optimise it over the period of time too. Okay. What do you think? Do pharmacists understand technology well on the whole, do you think? 
Oh, look, Travis is like, I had a great chat with uh, Peter Ferros in, uh, I think it was episode 31 of my show, and he was talking about how in the late 80s we boosted productivity in pharmacies so much better than any other industry, and we were the first really ones to get computerised. But we have slowed down, and I think, you know, our infrastructure through ERX, e-health records and so forth, we're all positioned to adopt it, but I just think there are so many other aspects within the business that we can benefit from and certainly bring us closer and create more remarkable experiences with our patients. And what would be a, the one tip, I know this is a very broad question, but what would be your one tip for people looking for a bit more, you know, to, to implement technology more in their pharmacy and enhance their business? Think, think bigger and look at the big picture of what you want to create for your pharmacy because if you're looking at the vision, there's never been a better time to be able to create that vision and the technology really just helps you get there in a quicker amount of time. And uh, so if people are interested in accessing your podcasts or yeah. getting your book, um, where do they go? Really easy, uh, transformationshow.com.au um, or they can go to my site in particular, robertstar.com um, or transformationbook.com.au. Thanks, Rob. And we'll be back with more from APP 2015 from Pharmacy News. Well, I'd love to know what you thought of the interview. It was very different for me being on the other side of the microphone, answering the questions rather than asking them. And uh, obviously it brought out quite a number of things and uh, it was a very nice, concise seven-minute interview. So thank you, Chris, and to Pharmacy News for providing me and, of course, you guys with a copy of that to enjoy. So we're going to head across to Kylie now, but before we do that, um, just wanted to announce again that today's sponsor is Audible once again. Uh, so thank you to Audible. And for you, the listeners of The Transformation Show, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I've got a new book this week on listening to The Second Machine Age, which is by Eric Brynjolfsson. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly, and Andrew McAfee at the moment, which you could download as well, or another audiobook for free by tryingaudible.com. So if you'd like to download a free audiobook today, of course, after listening to this show, go across to audibletrial.com forward slash transformation. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash transformation for your free audiobook. Anyway, let's go dive into Facebook and I'll see you on the other side. Our interview today is with Kylie Bartlett. She's an author and a social media strategist who specializes in helping small businesses to understand and implement social media into their businesses. Kylie wants to be known for helping businesses become web famous. Kylie Bartlett, welcome to The Transformation Show. Welcome, 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 welcome. I'm so looking forward to being on this show today. I love the transformation, feeling like a bit of transformation myself at the moment. <laughs> uh, look, it's great to have you on, Kylie. And, uh, you know, it, it is a, a brave new world of digital uh, in small business, let alone pharmacy. And uh, a lot of our listeners are, are battling to, I guess, find the right starting point and utilize it effectively. And I guess see it for, for, for really what it is as, a, I guess, an extension of their business rather than just an appendage that gets out added on completely agree and let's be honest when social media was first born and you know it's not even really a teenager yet it was a recreational tool it was something that kids did and then all of a sudden adults jumped on to maybe check out their kids and 
it was it's become a delayed reaction where it was used recreationally first and then all of a sudden business people thought oh hang on a sec this might be a great way of communicating and connecting with with our customers so there certainly is a lag from using it socially or recreationally to now upgrading our thinking around how do we use it to grow our business yeah, no, absolutely. And a lot of our, a lot of our listeners love to know, I guess, where our guests have come from, how they got on the how they got on the show. But um, I guess for you, Kylie, you know, why social media for you, and uh, I guess why you're seeing it as such a, a critical function for uh, modern businesses, let alone pharmacies. Yeah, great question, Rob. I didn't go searching for social media. Social media really did find me. And my background prior to being into social, I've been in social now coming up to eight years, was I've come out of the organisational psychology space. So it's working predominantly with companies, helping them with culture and leadership, team dynamics, mindset, communication, customer service. And what I recognise is at first I was a little daunted by the thought of what social media was going to do to business and in fact do to the entire world now that we're all digital citizens, global citizens. But when I actually sat down and overcome my fear of the unknown, I recognised that it was just another form of communication, Rob, and that I started thinking because of my background in psychology and my absolute passion around communication and why humans do what they do, I recognised again that don't be scared of it. It's just like sending an email. It's like having a meeting. It's like picking up the telephone. It's now just another communication spoke in that big wheel of how we connect and communicate with each other. I mean, back in my day, social media was called pen pals. You're probably too <laughs> too, too young to understand this, Rob, but I grew up as a teenager where I, every Sunday night I had to write a, a letter, a pen a letter in pen and paper to my pen pal in Poland and, and wait weeks for that to, to come back in the mail to me. And now the same thing happens when you do a status update on Facebook or a tweet on Twitter. So my background is definitely in communications and, and understanding what makes humans tick. And at the end of the day, everyone just wants to be loved loved and wants to feel connected so once I overcome the fear that it wasn't actually about the technology it was about what you're writing just like word for windows is not the power it's the words in word it's the numbers in excel it's the it's the images in powerpoint once I got my head around don't be fearful of the technology start to think about what you're going to say with the technology that we have available so that was really how I transitioned into it I got out of traditional training and teaching communication skills and decided that for a number of reasons, but, but on a personal level, I had to evolve and grow as a trainer, educator, speaker in this new world if I was to not just survive, but thrive. So I had a vested interest in, in going and studying social media from a business perspective, but as a mother as well, I wanted to be able to connect and communicate with my 15-year-old son around what emoticons are and LOLs and LAFMOs and all these acronyms that kids are now talking about that... I wanted to know what it meant so that if my son was being cyberbullied or he was bullying himself, that I had that ability to connect at a personal level as well. So for me, social media meant I could grow my business. There was no barrier to entry anymore. It was a great tool. It was free. But also as a parent, a, a great way of being able to connect with the digital natives that, that are now uh, out there using social media as an ex extension of who they are. 
Yeah, now look, it's a fascinating journey, I guess, of where where social media is, and I guess probably from what we get exposed to in the news for all the wrong reasons, for the mistakes, and uh, for all the uh, misgivings of uh, some people's personalities coming out differently in social media to how they are in real life, and uh, I suppose that's some of the barriers as why we uh, get a little bit hesitant and uh, a little bit frustrated when we when we consider what we potentially could do with it. But you know, it's interesting you mentioned the, the. pen pals as, as a previous version of social media because on our show we talk a lot about the drugstores of the 1900s and how the soda fountain uh, was yes. really that uh, community conversation and you know that's where all of the eyeballs and the conversations were being had back then um, it's just really transitioning that into the 21st century soda fountain which you know as we've spoken about is social media it absolutely is. And it doesn't matter where you go, you'll see people congregating together. I mean, there's tribes and communities and football clubs and there, it, it is this need to belong to a bigger community. And that is all social media is. It's it's overcoming in your head that just because it's virtual doesn't mean it's real. And, and in an analogy that I use is we sit down and watch movies and sitcoms and television shows and we read books, Rob, and we are moved by the character or the storyline And yet we don't give ourselves a whack around the head and say, stop crying or stop laughing at that movie or that book we're reading because it's not real. The the brain doesn't understand that it's not real. What it knows is I've got a feeling from that. And what I'm really big on in helping businesses is don't diminish the power of social just because it's virtual, because the brain doesn't understand the difference between a virtual world and a physical world. It just understands how it feels. It's no different to a telephone call can be just as powerful as an in-life conversation or so can an email, but it's learning how to modify the communication slightly, ever so slightly depending on the medium that you're using. So again, I'd like to reiterate, I'm not a social media expert. I'm a communication expert that uses social media at the moment to convey communication, but who knows what that might be in the future, Rob? I mean, we're seeing wearable technology and all sorts of things that are now being created through through technology and digital that, again, I'll jump on that if it's another way of communicating with people. Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, it's also about connecting as well as we're, sure see- as we're seeing with uh, these quantified self-movements that are coming through wearable technology. And only recently we've been seeing where digital health is uh, exploding right now in terms of what we're going to be able to know about ourselves from yes. a proactive sense rather than a reactive sense, which is where a lot of our healthcare sits right now. But I guess it's really about formulating the best way of connecting. And, uh, you know, I think that's where perhaps businesses have seen have seen I guess had some trouble in the past because as we've seen in a lot of different pharmacy Facebook sites and so forth there's a lot of presence where you know simply being used as a billboard um, to I guess do do all of the things that their I guess current local area marketing is doing right now and just putting up sales and catalogs and mm. so forth but when you talk about you know the communication and the connectiveness being able to I guess allow people to express themselves and to have emotion and feelings I don't think you feel too good when someone walks up to you off the street and say would you like to buy some laundry detergent for a dollar 99 it's oh, uh, Rob, it's out so, of context <laughs> you're so you're so spot on and we hate when we go to McDonald's when we know that their next line is would you like fries with your meal or you know I'm sick of going to shell service station and they say would you like mentos with your petrol and I, 
it is it's sell 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 but i can remember as a as a child my grandmother's social outings her social media was going to the pharmacy was going to the chemist that was her outing because there'd be a lot of other elderly women in her neighborhood that would all meet there and you know pick up their medication for the week and there was a lot of local conversation and gossip and who's had kids and that would happen in a pharmacy it's ironic i remember as a child so vividly and and it's now about how can we have those conversations online? How can we shine the light on our community? As you said, the soda fountain that is happening a lot within that pharmacy chemist space. How can we shine the light on those conversations that are happening and not make it always about, as you said, would you like fries with your meal or can I sell you some steak knives? How can we talk about the stories that are happening within the community or the great health improvements, advancements that are happening, start to serve first and sell second is my motto. Yeah, and and I guess that brings us really to uh, to, to Facebook, um, which is you know obviously a place where more and more people are spending a lot of time every day, and and not just the typical people that we think about in terms mm. of teenagers, youngers. Yeah, we, we see a lot of those social connectiveness benefits as, as as you may have seen with your own your own mother, and you know we certainly see with a lot of our older customers that they are on Facebook and they're connecting with their grandchildren by sharing photos and videos and keeping up with their world and they're not waiting for them to come visit them they're actually visiting them in the virtual world so I think sometimes we forget that uh, the technology isn't always the big barrier absolutely and if you look at some of the statistics that are coming out now uh, the biggest demographic on Facebook at the moment is that 45 plus up 65 age group the young kids as soon as it becomes mainstream they're off it they're over on snapchat and viber and instagram whereas the older demographic are now finding it is the place to connect it's the place to communicate and uh, all the stats that i'm reading is that it's it is certainly that demographic uh, around that 45 to 65 year old woman uh, is the biggest user of of Facebook, and you know I have a saying around it's not none of my business for me to judge my customers where they want to connect with me. That that's such an ignorant, arrogant approach to have. If if Facebook is where they are spending all their time, then who am I to say I don't want to talk to you there? You know, it, it, uh, we've got to start to adapt to wh- what the community and our customers are looking for. And at the moment, in Australia in particular, there's 14 million users on Facebook. Well, you think about we're a population of 23 million. Take away the infants and the really elderly. That brings the population down to 18 million, of which 14 million, Rob, are on Facebook. Mm. You know, that's it's pr- nearly close to what's – I wasn't good at maths, but I have to say it's over 90% of the Australian population – is on Facebook. So I have a saying, where the eyeballs go, so do the opportunities. And if that's tell- if, if those 14 million people want to be there and I want to connect with them, then I've got to overcome my fear or my defensiveness around it and jump into the sandpit that they're playing in. Yeah, and I guess it's, you know, that jumping in that uh, is often sometimes the scary thing as to how far are you going to fall? Are you going to yes. trip up? Are you going to do it the wrong way? We've seen a lot of gaffes from, you know, brands like Qantas do it really badly. Yes. And we just think, well, we don't want to be that next one. And, and what if our patients tell us something negative? And as we've spoken about a lot, what if they come into the pharmacy and tell you something negative? Are you going to pretend you didn't hear them because, yes. you know, it's not a digital platform. It's realistically, you know, taking away the fact that there is physical and digital and actually saying well that is actually business right now 
Yeah, you're spot on. And my advice to anyone wanting to dip their toe into Facebook is to first sit down and have a think about, well, why do you want to do it? Like, what? Start with the end in mind. What are you hoping to achieve with Facebook? Is it a way of building a community, a resource hub? Is it um, a, a form of communication to your current customers? What do you actually want to achieve from it? Everyone will say sales, sure. Sales happens, but you've got to start to connect and communicate and serve first. And once you understand what you want to achieve, then well, ha- how do you go about achieving that? And first, obviously, after you've got a plan, it's like, who do you want to talk to? You need to choose. Are you wanting to talk to the younger generation? Well, of course, your post is very different when you're wanting to get their attention versus are you wanting to talk to someone that's 65 years of age? So once you understand what you want to achieve from Facebook, well, who do you want to talk to? Because using the same language with a with a uh, an adolescent is very different to, to cho- the language you're going to choose when you're talking with someone that's more senior. Yeah, and, and it's sometimes, you know, not really just overcomplicating it, you know. Sometimes, you know, the most exactly u- right. useful things that we read are stories and, you know, quite often it could be very well that, you know, we're right getting into the teeth of winter very, very soon, you know, here in here in Melbourne and, uh, you know, there are a lot of conversations of, well, I can't afford to be sick, you know, what can I do to prevent? Um, and that realistically could be a great story to be sharing and, um, you know, coming back to that message, you know, it's, it's really about perhaps not so much what you're also you're already saying in store but how you could actually duplicate that in a digital sense as well spot on and, and as small businesses in time is what constantly comes up i mean i've spoken i'd hate to think in front of thousands and thousands of small business and it doesn't matter what industry rob they're all saying the same thing but because where do i get the time one my one of my biggest pieces of advice around that is don't make it all overload yourself like some staff within organisations and within a pharmacy would actually give their right their, their right arm to be able to have an opportunity to play an active role in social media. So a lot, what I do with a lot of my businesses that I work with, we actually have a meeting with the entire staff and we sit down and we look at what everyone's strengths are and how do we break up social media into a day-to-day activity where everyone's contributing. So it might be a staff member or an assistant working in a pharmacy that looks after the makeup. And it might be about reviewing and talking about a new makeup range or skincare range. As you said about colds coming up, you know, who is it within the pharmacy that has started to see some great results from some of the um, some of the supplements that people are taking or what they're doing to prevent colds? It is all about educating, solving people's problems, making their day easier. But you don't, as the owner of a pharmacy, have to be burdened with that all by yourself. There are people, I'm sure, within a pharmacy that would love to contribute and break up that day-to-day activity and delegate it to other people within within the pharmacy. And then all of a sudden, the conversation online becomes a lot richer where it's not just one person using the same language talking all the time, that it's actually a variety of people within the, within the pharmacy that are contributing to the social footprint. And as it would when they would visit the physical store. They're not just going to be talking to the owner, although that does happen quite a lot. But at the same time, you are going to be talking to perhaps the younger pharmacy assistants or the dispensary techs or a naturopath. It's going to have a flavour of all different conversations. And, uh, you know, as I guess when we talk about digital and we have in recent episodes, it's not about, you know, trying to create a different entity online, but realistically just being an extension or an enhancement of what you've already got in your physical store which is no doubt quite remarkable in itself 
completely agree. And you, you hit it on the head a couple of minutes ago, Rob, when you said, let's not complicate it. This is not about reinventing the wheel. It's actually sitting back, having a bird's eye view of your business. What are you doing day to day that you probably take for granted around solving people's problems, giving advice, superb service, connecting with the community? And how can you pick that up and expand the shelf life of that conversation online i think with you know social is about being social too and not being so formal uh making my brain think too much sometimes i I would love to go on to social media and see a funny photo or a box of tissues that's been used up by lunchtime because there's colds going around and there's tissues surrounding your desk and you can hardly see the person i mean i've seen memes around all of this and you might think really does anyone pay any attention to that well it's kind of no different to cracking a joke when you see someone in person sometimes a bit of life light relief is actually far more effective than trying to go into the ins and outs of something a little bit more formal yeah and i I guess we say that every day in pharmacy as well when we've run in-store events that they just naturally get people gravitating to whoever's talking and you know touching and feeling things and i guess in 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 a social sense it's very much the same in that uh, when we do end up on facebook as i'm sure we're all guilty of you just inevitably keep scrolling and scrolling looking for something more entertaining and it becomes a little bit of a a bottomless pit so it may as well be that uh, your message you know becomes part of that conversation and perhaps you know attracts the eye to you know take that conversation into the pharmacy as well you're spot on and it's interesting small business think that their competitors are their competitors so I'll often get a small business go oh you know I don't want to reveal too much because my competitor down the road might see what I'm up to or see the prices I'm charging and I've got to pull people back and say do you know what? The competitors that you think are your competitors are not. Your biggest competitors are your family and friends. Because when we're sitting down in front of Facebook, we're not spending too much time looking for ads or someone to sell to us. We're being attracted to what someone had for lunch, the little puppy dog that they bought for their kids on the weekend, the holiday they went to, and they're the things that are grabbing our attention. And so my advice is how can we how can we give more of that kind of content rather than the more formal selling our products and services? And how can we empower our family and friends, which will also be our customers, to sell on our behalf? Because the research has come out, and, and for your listeners, Census, for those listeners in Australia, hmm. Census has just re- released its uh, latest uh, white paper on where businesses and people are spending all their time on social media. They bring out this particular article, report, white paper once a year. They've just brought out their latest findings. And what it's saying in there is that Facebook users are spending about eight and a half hours a week on Facebook. And it's interesting that they're saying also that around, if I can remember the stats, something like 80% of people will believe a review or, or a recommendation on Facebook before they buy a product. So they're now saying that before they go and buy a product, they will go and do some research on it and that social media is influencing what they're buying. So gone are the days where we can be really good at building a great website and raving about how good we are as a pharmacy and the public believing it. What they're now saying is, well, sorry, Mr. Pharmacy owner, I get that you think you're great. You've got a vested interest in saying that. I want to chat to your customers and see if they also feel the same. And so your customers now are your marketers and we need to start to empower them and spend more time making them feel special so that they go out and sell on our behalf. Because you think about it yourself, Rob, when you're watching Facebook, you're sitting there in the news feed, the 
I'm sure the posts that are getting your attention are from your family and friends and not necessarily from businesses putting a, an ad in front of you. Yeah, well, look, absolutely. And, you know, every now and then you'll see something that, oh, that's a bit interesting. And it may you not click on it, yeah. may not be that you click on it. You might save it and read it later and, and, and all of those those types of things. But it's really fighting for our attention. And, and like you say, it's not just, you know, the competitive, competing pharmacies that you're competing with in that space. It's just about everything. It's, uh, you know, entertaining videos, photos, that you, you know, you, you name it. But look, I guess the, um, the biggest challenge that that, you know, we, we find and a lot of colleagues have remarked to me in the past is that, you know, if we want to set up a presence on Facebook, you know, how can we ensure that we're actually talking to the community that we want to talk to that, you know, some, some, some of us may not want to take on the whole world and communicate to entirely to, um, to, um, I guess, the different parts of Australia and mm. different communities, but it may, may also be that they want to connect with the individual community that they're, they're currently in. So it might be, you know, how can we, you know, if, if you are, for example, in Melbourne, how would you, how can you just talk to people in Melbourne? And it may well be that there are local clubs and communities that you could be, um, you know, I guess, liking and sharing things with. But what, what would your be, what would your advice be? It's all around the whatever you're communicating is what you're going to attract. And so it's no different to me. I, although my business is in Melbourne, Rob, I, I live in Geelong and I love buying on a sad day the Geelong Advertiser, which is our local paper because it's local news about my town that I live in. It's I don't buy I still buy obviously the Herald Sun because I want to hear what's going on from a, from both Melbourne and Australia global level. But if you start talking locally, if you start talking about things that are having happening in your suburb that are very applicable, then people are going to look at that like a resource hub. It nearly becomes their local newspaper. So another bit of advice that I give people when they're jumping on t- to Facebook is stop making it all about you. You know, it's going to become really, really boring if all you're talking about is me, me, me and my pharmacy and start thinking about the wider community. It'd be like sitting down at night and watching the Channel 6 News and the entire 30 minutes is on the sports report. <clears throat> the reason we like the news is that there's variety, there's finance, there's weather. There's local news, there's feel-good stories. So how can you as a pharmacy, sure, get your message out around educating and helping people and ensuring, you know, preventing illnesses and causes, et cetera, but how can you just think a little bit broader and talk about what might be happening in Paran or Footscray or, or Queensland or Logan or wherever you might be that now all of a sudden your Facebook page isn't just about your business, but you become a resource hub for what else might be happening in that community as well. So to answer your question, how do you just talk to the people you want to talk to? Start serving them up information that they want to hear at a local level. Research shows that people shop within 15 kilometres of where they live. And a lot of people are buying into the notion because of social and because of the online world, bricks and mortar businesses are going to go under. And and it's actually completely um, wrong, that statement. What's happening is there's a term called robo and it stands for research online but buy offline. So what people are doing is they certainly are researching like never before online around what they need but they actually are creatures of habit and comfort and want to go offline and talk to real people to actually make that transaction. The problem is if you're not in the online conversation, they won't even come offline to go and buy your products and services. So you know, how can you start to create content that is going to appeal to people in a local area and talk about things around that 15 kilometre radius to where your pharmacy might be. 
Yeah, yeah. No, look, that, that, and that's really important too. And I think sometimes we get a little bit too hung up on perhaps some of the restrictions as health professionals in yes. that we can't reveal patient names and information. Yes. And even previously, and it, I think it has been adjusted now that you know we're not going to be penalised if patients go onto our social media presences and leave reviews uh, mm. unsolicited. Uh, in the past, we've actually had to approach them and have them remove them uh, because yes. it breached confidentiality, whether we instantly instituted it or not um so it sometimes is, is about also understanding i guess those greater commu- community needs and uh, you know looking at not only our physical businesses as community hubs but also uh digital as well um but also kylie we actually had um one of our i guess more engaged listeners uh write in a question that i thought uh, i might pose to you um because uh, she's and i won't go i'll abbreviate the question but yes. it was from shabs in new south wales and um she was having a lot a lot of trouble understanding and trying to work out how to increase engagement on social media without bribing customers with gifts and so forth and having too many, I guess, offline competitions. So like our Facebook page and win this and all of that type of thing. It's Yeah, yeah and it's always, that's the, I suppose, the holy grail, isn't it? One thing having social media presence, but how do you, how do you create engagement where people actually go out of their way to have some open dialogue with your brand online? And again, I know it sounds simple, simple but not easy, and that is create conversations or instigate questions or pose questions that people are compelled to want to want to be able to answer. A great example that I heard many, many years ago, and it was from a fellow podcaster, Rob, you'd know Timbo Reid from Small Business Big Marketing. Sure he, he did an interview and it stuck with me for years and it would be about two years ago. He did an interview with Mia Friedman from, and, and most of your listeners, if they're in Australia, would understand the brand or know the brand Mama Mia. Yeah. Mia Friedman, she used an example of, let's say a dishwashing company approached her and said, we'd like to give away dishwashing tablets for all of your Facebook fans, give them a free tablet to wash their dishes. And like she's got over hundreds of thousands of followers. And Mia Freeman turned around and said, Do you think you want do you think my Facebook fans, which are predominantly mums and women, want to be told that they've got to do the dishes? The last thing they want to think about <laughs> is doing dishes. So no disrespect, Mr. Big Brand dishwashing tablets. My fans are not interested in that. But what Mia did is that she posed a question on Facebook. Who in your house is the dishwashing Nazi? And all of a sudden, it created this flood of, oh, my husband has to put the teaspoons all around the one way, or my mother-in-law comes in and restacks the dishwasher. And what Mia Freeman did is she gave away a dishwashing tablet to the people that gave the great conversation. So that example has stuck with me around, stop leading with, I'll give you a gift if you give me a comment. Start posing questions around like the dishwashing Nazi or what are some really quirky things that happen in your house and then reward potentially with a giveaway or a go in the draw to win. But don't make that the, your lead part of the conversation. Make it the bonus as a result of posing questions that people want to engage with. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, it's about really identifying what is the solution rather than what's the uh, tool that may help help you get there. And, you know, uh, predominantly a lot of our customers are mums uh, because they are charged with that responsibility of coming to the pharmacy, looking after the family, yes. keeping everyone uh, 
soldiering on during winter, you know, managing uh, the case of, uh, I guess, incriminating myself, managing the man flu in the house as well. Yes. And, 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 you know, those types of conversations would be a lot, a lot more engaging for them uh, rather than, uh, you know, just saying, look, uh, we've got uh, zinc testing in the pharmacy. Why don't you come in and see how you rate or what your zinc levels are rather than really understanding, well, if you were to come in and uh, have have the zinc test, you can really understand who's about to get sick and who isn't um, so that you can keep them well. So it's all about the frame, I guess, the conversation. I guess people also want to be entertained on social media rather than just purely sold to. Well, then that's why they go there, Rob. They're not going there. You know, I use it in my presentations that back in the Great Depression, the biggest selling items in the Great Depression were the circus and lipstick. And you might think, well, why? Well, Lipstick is when women put on lippy, they feel better. But you go to the circus and you can leave your worries at, outside the big tent. I want people to recognise that social is now the circus. It's the clowning around, it's the juggling, it's the lines jumping through hoops. And as soon as you try and make it all formal, people run for the hills. They're, they're doing that in their day-to-day work. They're doing that looking after the kids or making their school lunches. They don't want to go to social to have their brain hurt. They want to go there for some light relief. And when you actually give them the light relief, that's when they want to do business with you as well because you actually put a smile on my face. Oh, look, absolutely. And, you know, look, being second-generation pharmacist myself, I, I remember always uh, having to pull my own father back from telling jokes to his customers and entertaining them in the pharmacy. But in reality, you know, that's the type of thing that potentially could be injected into our online or Facebook communities. Um, you know, having the odd joke or so that, uh, you know, if, if there is a particular character in your business that loves telling jokes in the pharmacy, I guess, so long as they're above board, um, that, uh, you know, again, could entertain the customer outside of the business rather than just in it. Completely. And again, don't just make it all about a one-man band. If there's some great personalities within the pharmacy, let them have some fun with it as well. Show show that they might be, as you said, the pharmacy assistant or it could be one of the girls on the front counter let us see the personality, pull back the curtain and show us what's going on behind the scenes because at the end of the day, humans are sticky beaks and they want to feel like they are a part of your family and that they're not just a transaction and a customer. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and we've touched on a lot about, I guess, the time management side of things. And I, I guess for our listeners who are at different stages of where they might be in establishing a Facebook page or they may already have one, um, in terms of, I guess, you know, really managing the bare minimum of how they might want to, I guess, approach their page and inject, you know, some of this, you know, helpful content that we've, we've spoken about, you know, what would be, I guess, your, your couple, of, couple of key tips? that they could take up so my here's the challenge i want to pose to your listeners something that they can actually take away today and implement tomorrow we'll implement today it's not that hard we often we often make it as you've said a number of times throughout this interview and myself that we make it more complicated the first thing i would do is look at who are your current partners your suppliers your alliances that you do work with and go start following them on Facebook. You know, if we're looking for a, to engage a community, your engagement is going to happen a lot quicker if people already know you offline. So when you're starting from a blank canvas, it's kind of like when you walk past a restaurant and no one's dining in there, no one wants to dine in there. So look for the lowest hanging fruit. Who is at the moment that you know is in social media, in particular in Facebook, and go and like their pages. It, what we often do is we get so caught up in look at me, like me, laugh at my post, share my post. And I'm saying, 
Imagine if you moved into a new suburb and you were in a street and you moved in and you knew no one, but you thought, I know, I'll get to know my neighbours by going and baking a batch of scones and I'll pop them on the bench and I hope that the smell of these beautifully fresh homemade scones wafts down the street. The chances are is that no one's going to know that the scones are there or, or secondly that they're allowed to come over for morning tea. So my advice is put those scones in a basket and start door knocking. Go and give these scones to your neighbours to get to know each other. So put that into a Facebook context. Go and look up all the people that are in the local community that you know can add value to your community. Like up their Facebook pages. Go and go and add your commentary to conversations that were instigated by them. If I could strip back my first seven years, well, how I got into social seven or eight years ago, my number one strategy that serves me today is the reason I built such a massive following so quickly is I cared more about others than I cared about myself. I spent six months going onto other people's pages, commenting and contributing to conversations that they had created rather than expecting everyone to come and be a part of my conversation. And by doing that, by sitting down and actually looking at your local community and start following their pages and jumping over and contributing to the conversation, humans will have the reciprocity urge will kick in. The news agent down the road, the the doctor's surgery, it might be a physio down the road. When you start interacting with them, the urge will be that they go and click on your page, see what you're up to and start to reciprocate by coming and connecting and communicating with you yeah absolutely and you know it is it can be quite a selfless uh, journey in doing that and i guess you know on on behalf of a lot of our listeners will be think they'll be thinking well we want you know quicker results than that you know that's why we're putting half page ads in the local leader newspaper because we want people to activate and come in it's mm. uh, rather than rather than i guess be patient in that process and i think it was um Doyle Bueller, who was on the show only a few weeks ago, was saying that only 3% of people are ready to buy when they're online. So it's, yes. not, it's not a case that if anything you put on Facebook can be about people buying because it's only going to appeal to a very small percentage. Um, and it's really about understanding, I guess, the sustainability in, in that strategy um, as opposed to it being something that, you know, a lot of our listeners at the moment are realistically reshaping and looking at their, their strategy moving forward now, having gone through a number of uh, very heavy PBS reforms from a government perspective, yes. threatening their revenue model, that they're looking at, I guess, for the quick win, quick wins here. But in reality, you know, this is about building your community for the long term, um, not just uh, for the short. Mm-hmm. It's no different, Rob, to when you set up a pharmacy, did you think twice about installing a telephone system? You don't. And it's, this is what social media is. It's not like you, someone makes a telephone call and you sit down and try and work out the return on investment of that incoming call. It's a part of doing business. It's a part of communication. We've all got emails. I've just found out from the census report that not many have business websites, but we're getting there. But, but everyone's got telephones. If someone called in sick that normally is responsible for answering the telephone, as business owners, we would reorganise our staff or we'd get in a tent, we'd do anything we can to answer the telephone because we've given it the priority as without a telephone, we're not in business. I just want people to start recognising, stop asking for return on investment on social media because it does fit into that same category of emails and telephones and customer service. It's a part of doing business and try operating without those, with without the telephone and without fax and you won't be in business very long and that is what's going to happen with social media. We've got to start to not 
say to ourselves, well, where do I find the time? It's like it needs to form part of our day-to-day routine. And as soon as we give it the priority, we give telephone calls and emails and customer service, that's when we'll start to reap the rewards from it. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And, and I think sometimes it's uh, because of what's not, you know, what hasn't been around for 20 that's years, what, right. we're not, what, what we're not used to. And all of this is very new, but I guess that's one of the great things about having younger staff that, you know, we typically have um, in that they are digital natives. They understand social media, I guess, more than we do. So they could certainly help us in that transition as well. And it's asking them. It was interesting. I did a, uh, a keynote presentation last week to a group of, uh, private school principals and they want they ask the question where do we start how do we jump into social media where we don't even get it ourselves and yet obviously the kids are doing it and using it every minute of the day and I said you just answered your own questions ask the kids how you should do it because they have the answers they're intuitively born digital natives and we think because they're younger and immature that they don't have the answers than the fact they do because they think very differently so again to all pharmacy owners listening it it would be great to put a committee together internally of getting a cross-section even some of your customers if you have some that are that are very close to you that might be family and friends and ask them how would you like us to communicate with you on Facebook they hold the answers rather than scratching your head trying to work out something that's foreign to you go and ask those that are using it. Look, I guess it comes back to, you know, control and responsibility and that yes. uh, for so long, you know, pharmacies have been warehouses of all of the medicine information and people have had to come to us for information. Now the information's freely coming available and yeah. coming to us and we're struggling to deal with that. But, you know, as we as we talk a lot about the professional role of pharmacy moving forward, we're going away from that transaction and product-based um I guess way of way of doing business to the wisdom economy where people will come and see us to enable us to shape their knowledge and their data and the information into what's actually going to help them stay in good health for as long as possible rather than you know what product is going to you know relieve my headache it'll be more about the bigger journey. Oh, absolutely and there's no doubt that customers are craving for a one-stop shop of of getting advice they can trust. I mean, now Dr. Google answers everything. But what's happening is we're so confused and overwhelmed because we go to Dr. Google and say, I've got a runny nose or I've got a sore throat. And Google throws up all these remedies and symptoms. And before you know it, we've kind of manifested something that we've got that we haven't. But imagine if there was a one-stop shop, a place where we could really trust the advice and we didn't need to go to Dr. Google anymore. In fact, we went to a pharmacist Facebook page because they had the answers and I trusted them. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it's just about embracing that that new culture too and and just recognising that, you know, people will come in with information. It's not wrong. It's just the way that they have wanted to approach looking after their health. And I think sometimes we get offended by the fact that people take things to to us from Google and we think, well, they didn't trust us enough to ask us. But in reality, you know, they're showing the willingness to actually want to be collaborative in that health journey as opposed to always being told you should do this, you should take this at this time of the day Um, you should visit this person for this it's trying to actually be part of that and understand it which I think is a tremendous thing because I think as we all know when we want to do something or change something we're always a lot I guess more likely to succeed if we invest in it ourselves so I guess it's about viewing it that way so Kylie we always tend to like to I guess crystal ball and look at look a little bit ahead and um, I, I guess you know for a lot of our listeners you know Facebook is still very 
early in the piece as well. But, um, you know, ultimately, if they were to take away, I guess, a number of those boundaries that we quite often take out, whether that's relevancy, um, whether it's time, resources, you know, what would you love to see implemented in pharmacies today? Okay, so if if there was, if money and time were no object and we had this abundance of everything, my dream would be, not just for pharmacies but small businesses in general, is that they started thinking about having someone internally that championed their social media. Rather than it being something ad hoc or something reactive, that it became a career progression or a new position on an organisational chart, Rob, where now social media like HR, like administration, like customer service was seen as important and that you actually employed someone internally to manage it. The reason why we've got no time is generally speaking, and in particular, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Rob, but I'm assuming that the pharmacy owner is, you know, one minute balancing the till or they're looking at stock or they're serving customers and now they're asked to fit social media into their already busy day. Well, it's no different to putting on another staff member to help you. Start thinking about how could we budget for even having a part-time social media intern or someone that has been empowered to champion this up, someone that loves it, that gets it, is able to represent the brand, that eventually social media is being managed by a full-time person internally, Rob. I mean, I see a lot of companies outsource their social media. They'll say, I'm not interested, don't want to know about Facebook, I just want to be able to go to a barbecue on the weekend and tell my mates, yeah, I've got got a Facebook presence. But there won't be the engagement unless the actual business embraces it internally. You can outsource everything, but I just don't think you can outsource you and your brand. And so my advice would be to start thinking about, even at the moment, if it's a part-time role that someone is being empowered to look after it, that eventually it's seen as important as customer service, as, as a pharmacy assistant, et cetera. So to answer your question... If money was no object and time was no object, start investing in putting someone on to manage your social media internally. Yeah, no. Look, I think I think that's an absolute great suggestion, and I think a lot of a lot of us are thinking right now, particularly with the uh, emergence of automation and robotics in pharmacy, that it will make some of our manual processes that uh, dispensary and pharmacy assistants have been previously doing. And what are we going to do with them? Um, you know, does that mean we don't need as many? And it very well could be that they just need to again change in their type of role. And social media may be something that uh, you know they. May be very very happy to it may be something that uh, you know they do a lot in their free time and to be able to I guess merge a personal passion into the business Mm. will become something more valuable than just another role uh, that fills but certainly something more fulfilling and something that um, you know will certainly retain uh, that employee a lot longer in their business rather than always searching for something outside. That's right yeah it can give them a new lease on life we'll be giving them a new role or opportunity within the business. Yeah, absolutely. Kylie, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show today. I know that our listeners will walk away, I think, with a different frame around what they should be doing and that it's really about you know helping to craft that message, really communicate with the world what their pharmacy represents and you know realistically looking at it as another method of communication rather than, uh, I guess, just another fad because uh, social media ain't going anywhere. You ain't going anywhere. You're spot on there. And it's like the tsunami is about to break in particular in Australia. And it's time that we as small business owners start to ride that wave and succeed from it. Uh, Fantastic, Kylie. And uh, we look forward to uh, following your journey and have you back in the not too distant future. Thanks for the opportunity, Rob. Absolute pleasure. Hope the the viewers enjoyed it. The listeners enjoyed it as much as I did as well. Thanks for your time, Rob. No worries. Thanks, Kylie.
Well, I think it's very clear to us right now that in establishing ourselves in the digital age, we're often our own worst enemy. We often make it more complicated than it needs to be and we need to create ourselves as digital avatars or all sorts of different things that complicate operating ourselves in social media. And as we established very clearly, it is just another communication method, which brings us to my first and our three top three key learnings. And the first one is that social media is as critical and essential to your business as the telephone. If your customers want to get in touch through social media, it is important you leave that digital door wide open for them to contact you, either good or bad or otherwise, as they would when they walk through the physical door of your pharmacy as well. It's no use saying that For example, we'll use a fictitious name. Jenny isn't here today and she normally answers the telephone. So we have to wait till Jenny comes back. The same goes for social media. It goes right across the business. Everyone knows how to use a telephone. Everyone also needs to learn how to use social media. It is just another communication method. And when we say communication, that doesn't mean it's another selling method. I think too many times we've seen all sorts of brands across social media really spoil it for their brands that they've built up over hundreds of years in some cases, trying to just simply sell and market. As we spoke about with Kylie, if someone walked up to you off the street and offered you to buy you know, a $1.99 laundry detergent, or how many times have we cringed that would you like fries with that at McDonald's? We don't like it. We doesn't engage. It doesn't allow us to <clears throat> feel and have any emotions relating to that particular brand other than we don't like it. Number two, it's not about you. Social media is not about you telling the world about what your pharmacy does, what the services are, without any context or relationship to your team, your personalities, your community, your partners, whether it be suppliers, healthcare partners. It's about establishing that community and enabling different voices to come out. You may have a naturopath in your pharmacy, let her or him have a voice on social media as well. You may have different experts in your pharmacy. You may have a cosmetics expert. Let them take your customers through demonstrations. It doesn't all have to be about what you and your brand stands for. Sure, it does need to conform with what the experience would be when they visit you, visit, I guess, physically in your pharmacy. But at the same time, you need to have all that variety come through. As a great example that Kylie used of Mia Friedman, which uh, appeared on uh, Timbo Reid's Small Business Big Marketing, and we'll probably talk enough about Timbo, but he does put out a great bit of content. But there was a great message in that around the way Mia Friedman approached dishwashing tablets in as much that it's not about getting people to trial it, but actually find how it's being used, what's the solution there, and the whole concept of uh, really engaging in some family banter about who does the dishwashing, what are the pedantic habits of varying, um, I guess, members of the household, really engage with people and it created a nice I guess, entertaining and also emotional communication that uh, really would resonate well with people in terms of attributing to a brand, which really is an emotional feeling or attachment to an experience, which you'd love to have a positive one for your brand as well. And number three is social media is here to stay. If you're listening to this show and you're thinking, well, social media is going to disappear in a couple of years, the platforms may change, but social media certainly will not. It is just the evolution of how we do things. Guess, And that's the definition of technology too, as we've spoken about previously as well. 
The soda fountain was social media. We may not have soda fountains in our pharmacies. I know there's a great pharmacy in New South Wales that's got an ice cream parlour attached to it, which is still the traditional form of social media in having the community. But certainly, social media in terms of how your pharmacy communicates and engages with your community is such an important aspect of your business. As Kylie shared with us some great census data, people are on there for average eight and a half hours per week. And 90% of the Australian population is on Facebook. And probably more critically, the I guess the most common demographic is that 45-year-old woman over, you know, over 45. So again, that core customer of ours, those that might be suffering from chronic diseases, our older customers are connecting with their grandchildren on social media. So it doesn't mean that we need to interrupt that and disrupt it for them. But again, they may want us to be part of that conversation. They love having chats with us in the physical world. Why not enable that in the digital world and share some great stories that go on in the pharmacy to entertain, engage, and most importantly, educate as well. And as we establish that social media may be something that you want to have a team meeting about to really embrace all the different minds and the knowledge that exists already within your team. You know, ultimately, some of your younger team members may be your biggest asset with that and that they, they're digital natives. They know how to use social media so they can help you with the technology. You create the message, they can spread it for you using the technology. And as we've spoken about on this show, where we're looking at what can be automated, will be automated, and what roles our pharmacy assistants will have moving forward. Here is one that is a very, very good fit of someone who understands our business well, but at the same time may also have the technology, I guess, nativeness and understanding to be able to implement it well in our business. And that's not another hat that we need to wear. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. Don't forget, if you've loved today's show or if you have any questions for Kylie or myself, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to everyone and our guests like Kylie today are only too happy to respond individually as well. Big interview coming your way next week. A lot of you have written in or tweeted me asking what's the best way of getting started with creating and producing video for you and your pharmacy. And I've found Jules Blundell from Video Buzz, who's the author of Capture More Customers with Video, who's going to share with us her tips and tricks and her ways to get us started simply and easily. I know you're going to love it. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now.